You're listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. Midtown Church is a family loved and served by God, compelled to love and serve each other and Austin with God. Learn more at midtownaustin.org. All right. Well, Courage, this is great to have you here, and uh, thanks for teaching us a new song. I'm sure that will get in our reputation. We'll start, I mean, our repetition, we'll start doing that each week. But uh, no, it's really good to see you all. Uh, Hey friends, if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Jake Box and I'm the uh, lead pastor here at Midtown Church and I'm so glad that you're joining us, uh, whether over Zoom or uh, here at, at Baker School. And to be honest, I just say that I'm just really glad that you're, you know, you and I have just made it this far through this year, right? Because I mean, I guess this has been a rough year, hasn't it? Like what, a, what an incredibly dark, divisive year. You might not remember this because uh, January was about, I don't know, 11, 12 years ago. But this January, this year started off with Trump, President Trump's impeachment. Do y'all, do y'all remember that? And like the division and the debate that swirled around that. And then just a couple of months later, like or during that really that time, COVID-19 is just beginning to you know, spread throughout the world. It comes to the states and then there's all this debate and there's all this division around how we should respond to that, right? And it's like, do we wear a mask? Do we shut down the economy? You know, uh, how much toilet paper am I allowed to buy at a time? And so like, there's just all this stuff. And then right after that is the horrific killing of George Floyd and it's caught on video. And then that video spreads. And then the video of Ahmaud Aubrey surfaces and that spreads and the story of Breonna Taylor and that spreads. And, and people are divided over how to respond to the racially unjust and horrific killing of black men and women in America. And there's debates about the protests. And there's debates about looting. And there's debates about defund the police. And there's division everywhere and all of that. And then summer comes to an end. And school's supposed to start. And there's debates about whether school should start and what schools should look like. And parents and teachers and administrative, administrators are all up in the air on that. And there's divide, there's there's divides, there's debates, there's division. And then the wildfires start spreading in California and throughout the whole West. And then the climate debate roars on. And there's division over that. And then Ruth Bader Ginsburg dies. And Amy Coney Barrett is nominated. And there's incredible division over that and debate over that. And all of that's happening during the election season. And all the, campaign, all the campaigns and all of the debate that's going on around that and then how to vote. So like the mail-in vote debate and, and voting during a pandemic. And what does that look like? And there's debates around that. And then, of course, we have the election. And now the election is being debated about who, who really won. And it's like, all right, like this just, whew, what a year. So much division. So much darkness. I've been uh, reflecting on all of that this week, and a verse that came to mind was something that Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 through 16, he says this. He says, you are the light of the world. He's talking to his followers. He says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house in the same way. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Friends, Jesus makes this crazy statement. You are the light of the world. As, your fo- as his followers, 
So you are the light of the world. Now let me ask you, in light of all the division in our world, how do you think we are to be a light? See, is it not by being a diverse people who experience deep unity? Is it not by displaying and enjoying deep unity in the midst of diversity, like I talked about a couple of weeks ago? See, uh, for unity, when there is uniformity, that doesn't stand out. When everyone looks the same, thinks the same, has the same opinions on whatever, man, that's easy. That doesn't stand out. That's not a light. Of course, but then uh, di- division, when there is diversity, well, that's our world today. That certainly doesn't stand out. But when there is unity amongst diversity, well, that does stand out. That stands out, that stands out like a light in our dark world, where there is unity amongst diverse races and cultures, and genders, and political views, and income levels, and opinions. See, that's, that's different. And it can cause people to take notice and say, man, I don't know how people like that, they're so diverse, how they can still be unified. But whatever is powerful enough to bring that about, we need more of that in this world. Friends, can, can people look in into our world, our church, and say, okay, I see your good deeds and how you're unified together. And that makes me glorify the Father in heaven. Is that, is that happening? See, that's the type of church that Jesus longs for. In fact, that's the type of church that Jesus died to make possible. See, uh, today we're going to continue our study of Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. And we're going to see what our responsibility, what our responsibility is at Midtown, to make sure that we are that kind of church. And if you're visiting with us today, perhaps a friend invited you and you're joining us, I want you to know two things. One, I want you to know that we really love that you're here. And the second thing I want you to know is uh, you picked a good Sunday to join us. Because in this message, you're going to get to hear what kind of church we're aiming to be, and maybe that'll help you decide if this is the type of people you want to stick around with, you want to connect connect with, all right? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6 today. You can grab your phone or whatever you use and follow along. That'd be great. While you do that, let me give you a little context to what we're going to be looking at this morning. See if you might remember that the Apostle Paul wrote the letter that we're studying, the letter to Ephesians, to the church in Ephesus, and he wrote this letter because he planted this church. He started this church, and when he started this church, the Spirit did this incredible, just powerful movement And the gospel spread like crazy to the point that in Acts 19, verse 10, we're told that every person in Ephesus and in the region around Ephesus, think modern-day Turkey, hears the gospel. Like our vision of seeing the day when every man, woman, and child hears the gospel of someone who loves them. Guys, that's happened before. That happened in Ephesus when Paul planted this church, and we want that to happen here. But that's what happened there. And when that happened there, people from all over the place put their faith in Christ. And as a result, this church was a very diverse church. And it was made up of men and women and slave and free and Jews and Gentiles. And that was messy. Very messy. You remember what I talked about a couple weeks ago. Jews and Gentiles especially, they just didn't intermix. Like they despised each other. 
And yet now, here in a church, Jews and Gentiles are together, and they are worshiping God together, and they're sharing the Lord's Supper together, so they're having meals together, and the Jews are like, man, I don't know if I can do this. Because, see, the Jews came from, before Christ, their dietary laws, their purity laws, they weren't allowed to be around people who ate different things than them. So they're like, man, I don't even know if I can be with you Gentiles. And the Gentiles are like, well, you don't want to be with us. We don't want to be with you. And like, this is what's happening in the church. And yet Paul, Paul plants his church. He commits himself for three years, longest stay that he is any, any place in the New Testament. Uh, he plants his church. He establishes it. He makes disciples. He preaches the gospel and how to live in line with the gospel. He raises up elders and then he leaves. And then a few years later, he's in prison. And when he's in prison, he writes this letter that we've been studying back to his church, back to the church in Ephesus, to establish them more firmly in the faith. And as we've seen through this study, chapters 1 through 3, Paul is uh, really emphasizing what God has done for us in Christ. He's emphasizing the gospel and what God has accomplished and what we've received from him and glory to be to God and these beautiful prayers, praise. And then in chapter four, where we are today, there's this shift. And Paul shifts from focusing on and emphasizing on what God has done to what we should do as a result of what God has done. And the very first thing he touches on when he makes this shift to what we should do in light of what God has done, the very first thing he touches on is that we should be unified. That we need to keep the unity of the faith. And friends, what Paul says to the church in Ephesus is just as applicable as it is today to our church. And if Midtown Church, if we are going to be a type of people that shine in a divided world and illuminate the Savior, the only one who can truly unify people, then we need to heed what Paul says here. So let's look at it together. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1 says, As a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life, or literally, that is to walk in a manner worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble. Be gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Okay, so what I want to do this morning is I want to show you how in these six verses, Paul points us to two things. That must be true of us if we're going to walk in unity and be a light in this divided world. And the first thing is this. To walk in unity, we must live according to what we have received from God. We must live according to what we have received from God. Or as Paul puts it here, I urge you to live a life or walk in a manner worthy of the calling you have received. See, Paul is saying in that statement that the driving force, that the compelling force that will bring about unity within a diverse body of Jesus' followers is the gospel. It's what we have already received from God. See, that's what he has in mind when he says this phrase, uh, the calling that you have received. 
And we know that that's what he's referring back, uh, referring to because of what he says in verses 4 through 6, right? You see the repetition of the, verse, of the word calling. Look, he says, there's one body, one spirit, just as you were what? Called to one hope when you were called. See, the calling that we have received is that we have been called into Christ. That he is our hope. That he is actually the one hope. For in him, unity is found. For he is our one Lord. So we're all unified under him. And, he, and with one faith in him, which is displayed through our one baptism, which announces publicly that we are reconciled to our one God and Father, who also is unifying us. For he is over all and through all and in all. So in verse 1, Paul is saying to walk in unity, we must live according to what we have already received in Christ. See, in Christ, God has already destroyed the dividing wall of hostility. And he has made unity amongst a diverse people possible. Remember, that's the end of Ephesians chapter 2. Now, friends, it's our responsibility to walk in that or to live a life worthy of what we have received. And that word worthy is an insightful word. For the Greek word, for it's the Greek word axios, which, for which, from which we get our English word axel. And it has the idea of like a balancing point in a, on a scale, okay? And so what he is saying is, we need to take all that Jesus has done for us to unify us to God and to one another. All of basically Ephesians 1 through 3. We need to keep that in mind and we need to place that on one side of the scale. And then we need to go to the other side of the scale and balance that out by how we live. That we need to live and a life that balances out or is in line with or according to what we, what we have already received in Christ. The unity that God has accomplished in Christ. See, that's how God wants you and I to live. That's how important unity is to him. And this means you must be mindful of the gospel to walk in that manner. You must be mindful of the great links that God has gone to to unify us in him and to each other in Christ. See, that's what compels us to make every effort to keep a unity of the Spirit. But that doesn't explain how a diverse people actually can walk in unity. See, that just explains what's enabled the unity and what will compel us to aim for it. But how do you actually do it? Well, that's what Paul gets into in verse 2. So let's look at that together. He says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. And then he adds, make every effort to keep the unity. Notice he doesn't say create the unity. He says to keep it. It's already been accomplished in Christ. But now we are to make every effort to keep it through the bond of peace. Or through the of the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. See, guys, for keeping the unity of the Spirit is our responsibility. And we are to make every effort to do that. And the way we do that is by being completely humble and gentle and patient and bearing with one another in love. So let's get specific because this is where the rubber meets the road. Like, what does that actually look like? First thing he says is be completely humble. Uh, 
<laughs> and that word that he uses here is a compound word that literally means to think or judge with lowliness. See, this word scholar said did not exist in Greek and Roman culture. For they despised humility. Like in that culture, if someone said you should be humble, they would have responded like we would respond if someone told us that we should have a low self-esteem. Like if someone told us today, you should have a low self-esteem, we'd be like, you're crazy. That's, that's not healthy. You can't go around telling people to aim for a low self-esteem when you're out of your mind. Well, that's how the Greeks and the Romans, they felt when someone said you should be humble. That's how they would have responded when they read what Paul says here. They're like, well, we, we shouldn't even aim for that. That's not even, that's not even healthy. <laughs> but here Paul says, man, that's how we as Jesus followers are to relate to one another. We are to think or judge ourselves with lowliness. Or put it another way, we're not to think that we're better or superior than others. As Philippians 2 verse 3 says, we are to value others above ourselves. See, a humble person thinks this way. Wow, and what a privilege it is to be a part of this community. I can't believe I get to know these people. I can't believe Mark Chu is in my MC. I can't believe I get to learn from him. I can't believe I get to know Rebecca Bryant. She's so cool. I can't believe we get to be friends. I can't believe that I get to learn from Michael Wade. Like these, these people, I just esteem them. Like they are, man, I consider them more valuable than me. And I am pr privileged, thrilled to be in community with them. See, uh, humility is essential for enjoying sustained unity. But unity crumbles when I begin to think I'm more important than, some, than someone else. Or I know best. And you better get on my page if we're going to continue to be friends. See, the church is supposed to be made up of people who are becoming completely humble and who value others above ourselves. Is that you? It has to be if we're going to be a unified church and still have be diverse. But Paul goes on. He says, uh, we're called to be gentle and specifically here to be gentle towards one another. And this word that he uses carries with it the idea of a wild animal that has been tamed. So it's the strength that has been brought under control and is channeled towards a good purpose. But it's hard to be gentle when we are so opinionated about politics and sexuality and theology and about larger cultural issues. Isn't it amazing just how aggressive people can get? John Tyson, in, in a message on this topic, he, he talks about how, man, no, you never hear someone say anything like this. Rarely, he says, rarely do you find someone discussing a hot topic and saying, hey, do you know what? I really appreciate your perspective on that. You have really stimulated my thinking. I'm going to, I'm going to take what you've said into deep consideration. <laughs> he, said, his, he, he observes, no one says that. And I would agree with him. Instead, we just get heated. But as Christians, as Jesus followers, we are to be people who, yeah, have passion. Nothing wrong with that. Who have opinions. Yeah, we should. We, we, yeah, we got God's word. We should, we should hold firm to that. And yet, 
We reign in the passion and we restrain it being gentle for the sake of others. For that maintains unity. And then on top of that, we're called to be patient. And the word literally means long-suffering. Like a long-suffering towards aggravating people. Think Krista putting up with me for 16 years. It's, it's that kind of idea. Really, really no, no laughs to that? You must not think I'm that aggravating. That's good. Um, see, people are aggravating. And people sin against us. And people make decisions we don't agree with. And people let us down. But instead of writing them off, we are called to be long-suffering. We're called to be patient. See, Jesus had this moment when one of his disciples comes up to him and asks, hey, Lord, when someone sins against me, am I allowed to change MCs or churches? And Jesus, Jesus says, no, no, you, you, you need to forgive him and you need to forgive him more than once. And the disciples like, whoa, whoa okay, so like, like seven times? And Jesus says, no, like 70 times seven. Look, there is no other community in the world that offers that kind of patience. But that's what's supposed to be found in the church. And if we don't get that right, then how in the world, friends, are we a light to others? We have to be the ones who model the solution, the unity, the patience, the forgiveness found in Christ, or we will not stand out like a light in our world. See, long-suffering love is meant to be a distinctive mark of the Christian community. Is it a distinctive mark of your character? And then, as a way of summation, Paul adds, bearing with one another in love. Or that could be translated, putting up with other people because you love them. Bearing with their differences. Their different culture, their different opinions, their idiosyncrasies, and even, even their sins. First, First Peter 4.8 says, love covers a multitude of sins. But here's the thing. Let's be honest. We aren't completely humble. And we're not perfectly gentle or patient. And we have a hard time bearing with one another in love. You know why? Because <laughs> it's hard. Because it's so hard, right? So what can cause us to relate to one another in those ways? Well, Paul points us to the answer when he says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. How? Through the bond of peace. And see, guys, the bond of peace is the gospel which is the good news of who Jesus is and all that we have received in him through how he has treated us. And guys, here's how he has treated you. He has been completely humble towards you. Do you know that? Philippians 2 says this, Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. See, Jesus could have refused to humble himself 
But if he had refused to do that, then we would never experience unity with God. But instead, he was completely humble towards you. And as a result, you can enjoy unity with him and with one another. He's been humble towards you. Do you know that? He's also been gentle towards you. Matthew eleven twenty nine. Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. See, instead of Jesus giving us what we deserve for our sin and rebellion against him and pouring out his passionate, just anger, wrath towards us, you know what he did instead? He poured out his blood for us. He was incredibly gentle towards you. And of course, uh, he's been patient with you. Think about Jesus' patience whenever Peter denies him three times the, the night before the cross. After the resurrection, what's he do? He seeks Peter out. He reconciles with Peter. He reinstates him, recommissions him. What incredible patience. Long-suffering. That's, that's how Jesus is towards you. Do you know that? This is why you can trust him when he says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you, because he's incredibly patient with you. And of course, he bears with us in love, to the point that in 1 Peter 2, 24, it just says this, he himself bore our sins, that he bore our sins, that in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness, by his wounds, we have been healed. Guys, to walk, to walk in unity, we must relate to one another according to how God has related to us in Christ. And this is how he is related to us. As Jesus says in John 13, 34, For just as I have loved you, you must love one another. Do you see how he has loved you? Then go love one another in this way. And when we do that, we will experience unity as a church even as we continue to grow in diversity as a church. And guys, I don't know if y'all recognize it, but Midtown is a diverse church. That we are diverse politically, and we are diverse across income levels, and we are diverse when it comes to our ages. Just look at the colonses. <laughs> Love you guys. And we are, we are diverse racially and culturally, though not near to the degree that we want to be and that we're praying to be and that we're working to be. But we are, we, like in our church, we've got a lot of diversity. And we want it to be that way. Because that's what God had in mind when he began the church. That's what the church has been like from its inception. For it glorifies God when Diverse people are unified in Christ, and it is a powerful light to our divided world. But if we're going to continue to walk in unity while maintaining and growing in diversity, we must walk in a manner worthy of our calling. We must live according to what we have received from God. 
And we must realize how important unity is in God's eyes and commit ourselves to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit by relating to one another according to how God has related to us in Christ. Which means when people in our church have different convictions than you do in regards to COVID-19, you will not write them off or divide over it. You instead, you'll engage with them because it matters. But you'll do so with complete humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with them in love. And when people in our church have different political views than you, it means you will not divide over it. You'll engage because politics matter. But when you engage them, you will do it with complete humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with them and love. And friends, when someone hurts you, someone sins against you, as we are prone to be, as imper- prone to do as imperfect people, you know what it means? It means you will not abandon them You will not divide over it. You will not leave the church over it. You will not leave your group over it. But instead, you'll seek them out to reconcile with them. With complete humility and gentleness and patience. Bearing with them in love. Because, why? Because that is how Jesus Christ has treated you. And as we're mindful of that, then it will help us walk according to what we've received in Christ. And we will be a united church. Friends, let's aim for that. Let's be compelled by what God has done to go for that. And let's live in this way so that we can enjoy that. And in it, we will be a light to our divided world. Shining, illuminating the one the only one who can really bring the unity to this world that we all are longing for, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, we confess right now that we so often lack humility. And we confess that we lack gentleness and patience, and we have a hard time bearing with one another in love at times. And yet, Jesus, we are mindful right now of how that, that that's how you have treated us. That you have been humble, that you have been patient, that you've been gentle. That you have borne with us in love. And God, we thank you for that. And we ask that you would compel us by what you have done for us to live this way amongst one another. That we as a church family would grow in diversity. And we ask that you would grow us in diversity racially and culturally and all these other ways as well, God. That we would grow in diversity while maintaining and enjoying deep unity in Christ. And that in that, God, we ask that you would make us a light to our divided world, that our neighbors and friends, this this community, our city, could see that you are the only one that brings the unity that we need in this broken and divided world. And, Lord, they would see our good deeds, and they would glorify you, our Father in heaven. God, would you make this so? Begin with us. Begin today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this ministry has blessed you. If you would like to support this ministry, you can donate at midtownaustin.org.